Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal amount invested. And welcome to the next edition of Talking Money. It's Saturday, February the 15th. So glad you're with us today. Hope you had a great Valentine's Day yesterday with your your favorite, your your loved one, your special someone that uh, that you've just got to know or maybe you've known like I have for, uh, well, 45 years coming up on uh, marriage uh, bliss, but uh, another seven to eight years of dating before that, marrying my high school sweetheart. So we had a great time together, really kind of celebrated uh, off and on all week long. So that was kind of nice. So I hope you had a great time with yours as well. But we get back to the nitty gritty about uh, investing and things like that. But it's interesting to me. I mean, talking money is is the only live call in program about money on WGTK ninety four five. The answer, the only one. So we're here to answer questions, and I I feel like a lot of the other ones that uh, all the other ones that to, to talk about money on the weekend either just don't want to come live, which is possible, but they also don't want anybody to call and ask them a question. So I don't mind you calling to ask me a question. That, to me, is the most exciting part of doing a live uh, TV program, live radio program. I've done both. And I think it's uh, never knowing exactly what somebody's going to ask you is um, is a challenge. And also, it can be very rewarding. So 877-235-9405 is the text line or the phone line. So you can just take your iPhone and text to that number. You do have to use the 877 before that. If you just use the 235, it's not going to let you send a text. 877-235-9405. Text or, of course, always love to have phone calls. I was speaking with a gentleman yesterday at a meeting I was at, and he's an insurance sales, but I've known him for several years and assumed he knew exactly how we operated uh, versus how they do. They do some financial planning and sell some investments, some mutual funds. And some of the conversation came up and I was sitting next to him and it was, uh, I was made aware that he felt, he thought that we still sold insurance. And he says, well, where do you guys handle your insurance? I said, well, we have different insurance agents that we have um, vetted over the years that we work with. And typically I like to tell people they're lousy insurance salesmen, which means that they're not hard sell selling insurance people they're consultative and are truly trying to find out what your best product is for the needs that you have but we still stay involved in the situation with it when it's a client because they're still salesmen so we want to make sure that we have some control over the outcome of what that sales process might look like but to be able to explain to him that oh no we don't we don't sell any products it was still like um uh, a an epiphany for him it's like wow you you, you don't sell anything and said, no, we don't. And I, and I see that, and I hear that often over times. So I'll, I'll be speaking with a, a, a tax attorney or a CPA and, or another broker somewhere, and they just can't believe that we don't sell anything. Now, there's a lot of firms that are fee based, which means they have some products that they sell that they get an annual fee for. But that's not the same as fee 
only. So fee only, we think, is true fiduciary, doing the very best thing for the clients. And now that that uh, we are affiliated with Ronald Blue Trust, we bump that up some because as a trust company, banks essentially, your fiduciary level goes up and the amount of requirements that you have to do with the OCC versus the SEC is uh, is ramped up some. And neither one of them are fun, but still it's that way. So we have that requirement that an, an insurance agent, when you hear these other radio shows, and I'm not just trying to bash the shows, I just want to make sure you go into these things with your eyes wide open, that these people are selling something. They don't have that same fiduciary duty. And some of them will say, yes, we have a fiduciary duty because they've, they've, they've got a registered investment advisory arm. But when they take that hat off and they put on the hat of the insurance salesman, that fiduciary duty goes out the window. It's not there anymore. All right. So unless they're truly saying that I have vetted all the as, as many insurance products, enough different insurance products that I'm very confident the ones I'm selling are the best ones out there. They really haven't vetted that and they really aren't saying can't say, I don't think that they're doing the very best thing for you. So I encourage people. When you're, if you're talking to one of these uh, insurance people, make sure that you talk to more than one. Ask them the same questions. I would ask each of them, what's the other person who I'm buying thing? Here's the product. Here's the company they're, they're selling it from. What is their commission on that? What is the total fees coming out of that? Well, another, another salesman might tell you that. Whereas the, this insurance person you're talking to is probably going to say something like, it doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't come out of your money. Well, and to, in my opinion, that's an outright lie. It's very deceiving. I don't know that they're trying to lie. That's what they're told because you can see the money that you're investing in that product. When you get your statements, it shows well, that's the amount that got invested. Well, not really, especially if you look at some of the ways they calculate the earnings where they may only pay the guarantee on 92.5% of the, of the balance. You don't see that on that statement. It's there, but you don't see it. So there's a lot of things in these products that you don't understand. Unfortunately, sometimes they don't understand that as well. So my wife tells me that we get these things in all the time. I just happen to be around more this week after the birth of our grandson to try to help out. And I, I saw the mail more often than I usually do. So this this last week, this is just one week, I've got an invitation to Hall's Chop House. I've got an invitation to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. I've got one to Rick Irwin's East Side and to Devani's restaurant. I've not heard of that one, Devani's. Um, this person's from North Carolina trying to come to, to Greenville. So they're all, they're all selling insurance. Uh, they, they don't say it. Some of them say, some of them are more, are more, uh, uh, forthright about it and say what they're doing, but they're all, they're all trying to do some kind of, uh, sales and which, you know, you're, you're not going to see a, a invitation like this coming from, what was planned first, now run Blue Trust. We just don't do that, that kind of thing. So we're, it's because we're not trying to sell anything. Yeah, we do have a service that we provide. We do want to find out if there are folks out there. Many people over the years that I've been on Talking Money have come to, to visit with me and us and have become clients of ours. Uh, but it's very much a two-way street. It's not like if we get you in that door, we're going to try to sell you whatever we can sell you. That just doesn't happen. I wanted to make sure that you, it's very clear, that we're very clear about that, that we are different than the other places that are out there. We're not here selling you anything. There's no hidden agenda. Uh, if you hire Ronald Blue Trust, then you're going to know exactly what the fees are, at least the percentage. I mean, it's going to vary based on the asset size and so forth. But you'll know. So it's not like there's surrender charges you don't know about. There's things that we're trying to hide that aren't there. No, we just we don't do that. So uh, and, and so all I'm trying to say there is it's it may be worth a phone call. I'm not trying to get people there again to 
convince you, hey, you ought to come see us. No, because I'm as interested, we are as interested in trying to determine whether or not you're a good fit as you are trying to determine if we're a good fit for you. It, it works both ways for us. And so, because we want a good long-time, long-term relationship. So we think, yeah, it's important for you to vet any information that I give on talking money. Check with your own advisor uh, to see if it's something that would apply to you, your tax advisor, your financial planner, whoever it is. Um, but we do have, a, a, I think, a niche that I would call maybe it's a market niche. But it's an important one it's where we think it's important that the advisor who you work with shares your values, shares your biblical worldview, and not just the advisor. We would say the firm as well. Because uh, one advisor, if that person, something happens to them, then what are you going to do? Uh, so I think it's important for that person to to agree with you on on your values and your biblical worldview. And that's certainly the case with Ronald Blue Trust. So you can always call us at 800-588-7526, 800-588-7526, or simply send an email to Greenville at ronblue.com, Greenville at ronblue.com. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, that's that's my pitch for the for the day. We'll get past that. So we're talking about diversification. It uh, started it a couple of weeks ago when Nick Stone Street, our CEO, was with me. We just didn't get all the way through the information that we wanted to get. Had a couple of good callers. So definitely want to talk about this uh, today. So the promo I've been running this week said something like if um, that that Mike Tyson was quoted as saying, everyone has a plan till they get punched in the mouth. So a lot, many of you have heard that. Well, I think it, it applies to investing. It certainly can be the same way where you st- have a plan, you stick to it, but then something fearful happens. You thought you could take a certain amount of downturn, and then the downturn happens, and then you find out, ooh, no, you physically, emotionally just can't take that. And then you you uh, abandon your plan, and the plan goes up in smoke just in time for the market to start going back up again, and you're out of it, and you miss it, and it was um, not a good way to react to that particular fear. So I've been talking about things like that for the 13-plus years I've been on Talking Money to help people stay on track, assuming it's a good plan, assuming you've got some good investments in there, you want to stick with that plan and not be knee-jerk reacting to different things that happen. A lot of the the smoke and mirrors and a lot of the noise that's out there in the market, we just don't want that. So when we come back from uh, from the break, so we're going to start talking about some of the things that are going on in the markets now, some of the good news and some of the stuff that maybe is like, okay, we should be concerned about things like how much should we be concerned with things like the coronavirus? We'll talk about those kind of things coming up. Question or the uh, If you want a question, want to ask a question, you can text it to us or give us a call, 877-235-9405, 877-235-9405. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has four distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum. Private Wealth, Everyday Steward, Family Office, and the Professional Athlete Division. The company's largest division, Private Wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of $1 million or higher. Private Wealth Advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with the big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 14 branch offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust branch offices and the advisors serving there, please visit www.ronblue.com. Now back to Talking Money. 
to welcome back to Talking Money. We're coming up at about 20 minutes after the hour here on Talking Money. The only live call and show about money on the 94.5 WGTK. So 877-235-9405 is our phone number. If perchance you don't want to get either a text or a phone call in to me this morning to ask a question, you can always go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. So I wanted to uh, try to remember to give that web address each week. I don't always remember that, but it's TalkingMoneyRadio.com. But don't check that during the show, um, but we check it regularly during the week. So that's the place you can go to send a question in during the week. It's also a place that you can go to listen to previous shows that we've re, uh, done, recorded, and posted them on that website. We have them there by topic so that you can look at a particular topic. If you want to find out about taxes, uh, annuities, you want to talk about estate planning. So last week, Joel Stoudemire was on with me last week, uh, one of the good tax attorneys here in the upstate. And we had a lot of great information on estate planning, some of the things that have changed in the last couple of years since uh, President Trump took office that are important. And, and before that, a few weeks, we talked about the SECURE Act, which is something that just happened at the end of last month. There's a lot of a lot of in the last year, so this is already February, so it wouldn't be the last month. So end of December in 2019, that passed. And so there's several things there that you need to keep in mind. So we went over that. So you can always listen to that one on TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Those podcasts, you can listen to them wherever you want to listen to them at your own leisure. So that's, I think, an important benefit that we that we bring to the table i've got some programs going back to as far as 2009 i don't think you're going to go back that far but so not only are we live but we live and record it and post them so uh if if you ever find something on some um, program that uh, you think was incorrect or shouldn't have been said that way then of course i'm always open to suggestions or recommendations because i want to make sure the information that i give on talking money is absolutely correct a lot of its opinions and we give those opinions and we always want to make sure that you check with your own advisors to see if it's uh, this, a particular idea is something that would fit in your situation. That's always a good idea. Uh, but I try to give enough general information that's at least something for you to think about. And we hope that uh, it, it does at least do that now in the 14th year of talking money. So the, the, the economy is still taking off to a pretty good start here. The markets have since the first of the year. Some of the statistics have, have just come out. So advanced retail sales for January rose 0.3% month over month. So that's matching the forecast. The University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index rose to 1009 it was expected to go up to just 99.5 from January's 99.8 reading. So that's the highest level since March of 2018. So the consumer still is feeling pretty good about things. Uh, some of the interesting things on interest and bonds. So the Schwab's chief fixed income strategist, Kathy Jones, uh, had an interesting article. She's talking about the uh, the coronavirus and how that affects bonds is that China's industrial heartland is at the center of the epidemic, so the ripple effects may be longer and longer, larger and longer lasting than in previous outbreaks, simply because of where it's happening. And that's some of the things that I'm reading. So we're not too concerned long term about this coronavirus. Relatively speaking, it's fairly small. And I had read an article this morning, and I meant to bring it with me, and then I left it at home. It was in the Wall Street Journal this morning about, I think it was in that one, and they may have an article in here later, but it's, it's talking about the uh, the effect of the 
current virus versus others. Matter of fact, I think I may have that article. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Louis Navalier put out some in- interesting information uh, this week. This came out like Tuesday, so he's talking about last week's information. But I've talked about the Institute of Supply Management Index, the ISM index, for years. There's a manufacturing and there's a non-manufacturing index. Now, the non-manufacturing index is is typically more uh, influential because a larger part of our economy is non-manufacturing as opposed to manufacturing. Both of them are, are important. So the Institute of Supply Management, he, he um, writes that that rose to 50.9 in January. So that's up from the 47.8 in December. So always keep in mind with these this, this ISM indexes and with a lot of the indexes that 50 is the magic number. So if it's above 50, that means we're expanding. If it's below 50, we're contracting. So it actually went to 47.8 in December, which showed signs of contracting. We're back up to 50.9 in January. But if you look at the insides and down to the weeds in that index, uh, he says eight of the 18 surveyed industries saw decline. So that still means 10 of them did not. But he's saying the manufacturing sector is not hitting on all cylinders. It needs to improve further. So the commercial aviation, auto sector, and the oil service industries are all struggling while the construction sector is improving. So some things improve. That's why these indexes combine several types of industries because the U.S. economy and the world economy is so dynamic. Things like that happen. So the non-manufacturing index, ISM, non-manufacturing index, it rose to 55.5 in January from 40, 54.9 in December. So that's better than the economist's consensus estimate. And it was impressive, they say, because the production component, which rise to its, rose to its highest level since last August. So fully 12 of the 18 industries that ISM surveyed expanded in January. So overall, the ISM service sector remains healthy which is positive for continued strong GDP growth and a payroll growth. So it's, it's nice we have GDP growth, but it's also nice, I think even nicer, when that translates into payroll growth, which means people are making more money. So looking at payroll jobs, so two ways we look at it, one's on the private sector and typically through ADP, the big payroll um, company, they reported that 291,000, Get a load of that now. 291,000 private payroll jobs were added in January. Substantially more than the economist's consensus estimate of 154. That's a pretty big miss. When you think about economists trying to predict things, well, they, they missed that one big time. Overall, the ISM, let's see, no, um, this was the largest monthly increase in private payrolls in nearly five years since May 2015. So that bodes well for the economy. Things are still going well. People are hiring. Now we go to the Labor Department. So let's give the the uh, government's take on it. The Labor Department announced that payrolls rose by an awesome 225,000 in January, substantially higher than the consensus estimate of 158,000. So they weren't doing too much different between what the ADP would report and the Labor Department would report. So the unemployment rose, though. It ticked up a, a tenth. The unemployment rate rose to 3.6% in January, up from 35 in December. But that's also good to do some, to, to some good news. That's another thing that's hard to believe. Just like during the Obama administration primarily, we saw the, the, um, the unemployment going down, but we also had the number of people looking for a job going down. So when you have that, it really wasn't as good as it made it look. Now we've got 
the unemployment saying going down as well as more people entering the, the workforce. Now we had a one tenth uh, uh, bump, but that's still overall still not bad news. So uh, it says that um, the more workers previously not working, looking for work entered the workforce. The average hourly earnings, and I think this is really important, the average hourly earnings rose 0.2% to 28.44 per hour, almost 60,000 a year annualized in January and rose 3.1% in the last year. So the labor force participation rate, that's when we talk about how many people are looking for jobs, rose to 63.4% from 63.2%. So more people looking for jobs. So the unemployment rate went up a tenth because of that. So it's that's all uh, really still good news. There's good news on the trade front. Now we've heard a lot about that with the trade wars and all this. So 2019 became the first year in six years when the trade deficit actually declined. One big reason, he says, is that the U.S. has become energy independent. Now, how often do you hear that quoted on the news, on the national news? The U.S. has become energy independent to the point that the U.S. has been the largest energy exporter since june i can't emphasize that enough the u.s has been the largest energy exporter since june so we're that much less dependent on the arab countries and all that because we we can we we can become totally independent we're actually exporting our oil so that's that's really good speaking of tariffs china announced that on february 14th so this was yesterday it would slash the tariffs in half on 75 billion of u.s imported goods Specifically, some tariffs would be cut to 5% from 10, while other tariffs on goods would be cut to 2.5% from 5, cutting it in half. So there's progress there. A lower trade deficit naturally boosts U.S. GDP growth, goes domestic product growth. So the Labor Department announced on Thursday, this was a week ago Thursday, that productivity rose 1.7% in 2019, the fastest pace in nine years. But annual productivity growth slowed to 1.4% annual pace in the fourth quarter. So typically when there's full employment, Productivity can slow, he says. Nonetheless, productivity news is positive for real wage growth as well as future GDP growth during this election year. So we got more to talk about with some of the positive things, and we'll talk about the coronavirus next when we come back from our break. But if you want to get on the program, ask your question, 877-235-9405. You can text that question, or, of course, we love the phone calls, 877-235-9405. 9405. We'll be back with the second half of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Get the answer anywhere. Here at 94.5 The Answer on the Answer app. Text Android or iPhone to 877-235-9405. 877-235-9405. The answer is also heard on TuneIn, iHeart, or Radio.com. News, opinion, insight, anywhere. 94.5, the answer. 94.5 WGTK, the answer. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. 
either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan, a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com. Send an email to greenville at ronblue.com or call the Greenville office at 864-233-7405 or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. Phone number here in the studio, 877-235-9405. Text or call us. With your question, we'd love to answer your questions because that's what we're here for is to, to make sure that uh, we discuss the things that you want to discuss, not just some of the things that I come up with. Just a few other comments before we get into the diversification a little bit more detail. Like we started talking about a couple of weeks. So coronavirus is something that's on a lot of folks' minds these days. How is it going to affect? So Gary Alexander has a nice piece on it that he wrote earlier this week. So he's talking about, uh, and my wife and I have talked about this too, getting off the cruise ship. He talks about just getting off a, a cruise ship, but then other people not so lucky because they they got had to get stuck on the cruise ship. And my wife and I always have never been on a cruise, and we both get motion sickness and felt like um, that we didn't want to take the chance of getting out on a cruise and being stuck out there for even a short one of three days, getting sick the first half day and then being sick the rest of the time. That would not be fun. So we said, well, there's other things we can do on land that we do, that we enjoy just as much. And then we hear about these quarantines for the viruses and think, well, that's more, one more reason why we may not never take a cruise. So, so it's not really high on our bucket list to try to do those kind of things. So he was talking about being lucky for that. But the, the question, of course, a lot of people have is, is the market going to take a big dive and dip on this coronavirus? So he has an interesting article. He says, Asked the question, but will the U.S. market collapse over such fears? He says, not likely. He said, uh, Jeff, Jeffrey Kleintop, chief global strategist at investment strategist at Charles Schwab, looked at 13 different previous global epidemics since 1981, finding that the global market, uh, as measured by the all country world MSCI index, was up an average of 8.5% six months after the first outbreak. This was the article I was looking at earlier. I was thinking it was in the Wall Street Journal, but it was in this other article by Gary Alexander. I guess one of the dangers of reading too many too many research reports, forgetting which one came from where. So Kleintop concluded this. He said, uh, if the spread of the uh, coronavirus tracks a similar pattern, and he calls it the NCOV20 2019, this is the coronavirus tracks a similar tracks a pattern similar to those tracked in the past by the World Health Organization. The number of confirmed cases will rise sharply for eight to ten weeks. Then the infection rate will likely start to taper off in the spring months. Travel may return along with consumer spending, setting up for an economic rebound in the second quarter, similar to the timeline for the SARS uh, virus. So not to minimize the coronavirus threat, but this strain is still far less deadly than at, than any normal flu season. 
Now, I also saw an article, this was in the journal, uh, talking about uh, the Federal Reserve uh, when he when he was doing his um, testimony for Congress this week saying that that it was um, that the, the statistics may still be negative or show some negative impact from the coronavirus down the road because some of the things that we report on don't we don't get the statistics till a month or two later so that it will affect that but overall he had a very good um prospect for the u.s economy so it says the the centers for disease control prevention cdc tells us that in the last two winters there were 80 million cases of flu in the u.s with 37.5 million clinic visits and 1.3 million hospitalizations, resulting in an estimated 95,000 U.S. deaths. I had no idea it was this high. This is talking about from the cases of flu in the last uh, couple of years. That certainly didn't halt the bull market's progress. From 2010 to 2017, the CDC says flu deaths per year averaged from 12,000 to 61,000 deaths per year. Outbreaks each year have run between 9 million and 45 million, while hospitalizations have run from 140,000 to 810,000 dollars, uh, 800,000 uh, a year. That's, that's, that's a lot. So as of last Sunday, coronavirus has killed 812 worldwide, but only one outside China, and that was in the Philippines. The core of the economic threat is that it will destroy economic supply chains in China, not millions of lives. There are only 12 confirmed cases in the U.S. and no deaths versus nearly 40,000 deaths per year from flu and its complications from 20, 2010 to 2019. So far this winter, about 10,000 Americans have died from flu with over 19 million stricken. But all those years, 2010 to 2019, were bull market years in stocks. So I, I keep forgetting that you just don't get that reported that so far this winter, about 10,000 Americans have died from flu. I mean, that's so much worse than the coronavirus, but we don't hear anything about that. All we hear about is the coronavirus. So he ends this article by saying, fearing a new virus over flu is like obsessing over sharks or lightning bolts while cars kill 40,000 a year. So, yeah, so we're, we're worried about the virus, but that really in in um, contrast or in relative to the other is uh, is really a small deal. And then another article by Ivan Marchev uh, in his a blog this past week he was talking about the coronavirus and he's talking about this um the writer he was talking about the price of crude oil and treasury yields and things like that then um the novel wuhan coronavirus seems to be spreading faster than sars but does that that does not mean it won't follow the same seasonal patterns still with 400 million chinese under quarantine the the hit to chinese economy and the price of oil is only a matter of time so he does expect some kind of a negative effect there I just don't know what or when or how much and so forth. So time will tell. But I'm not, um, I don't think it's a concern. If, if for some reason there is a big downturn in the markets in the next, in the coming months because of that, I certainly, if that's the only reason that's going on, that's another buying opportunity. So we're talking about diversification and how important it is. And it's a very hard strategy to follow when one segment of the market i.e. the S&P 500 index, has been doing so well versus most other index. So another comment yesterday from another uh, person at that meeting I was at, so why don't we just put money in the S&P 500 and forget it? Well, that looks like the best thing to do, certainly for the last five, maybe even ten years since the financial crisis. But longer term, and most of us are going to have longer than ten years, uh, that's not the, the best way to 
to invest your money in order to make sure you meet your goals and not to be susceptible to those few times when the market just that the S&P 500 specifically goes way down. You don't want that. So there was an interesting uh, article in the newsletter, Soundbind Investing, that Austin Pryor and Mark Biller wrote and talking about this uh, same thing. That so, so diversification is is meaning you invest in a number of asset classes. So you, an asset class would be the S&P 500, which would be large, large U.S. stocks. You might have small company U.S. value stocks, small company U.S. growth stocks, midsize. Uh, take the S&P 500 apart and say, I want value stocks or growth stocks. Growth stocks over the last 10 years uh, would have performed even better than the, the S&P 500 index because growth stocks perform better. Does that mean they always will? No. And that's where we have to always be careful because we have a tendency to look at what's performed best in the recent past, even five to 10 years, and think that's going to repeat itself. Believe me, it was very well known back in the, in the late 90s when those tech stocks were were going uh, gangbusters. Even a lot of growth stocks like Coke and GE. We talked about Coca-Cola and GE a couple of weeks ago, how they were on a tear and people just didn't have the didn't feel the need to diversify away from those stocks because they were doing so well. Why would I do that? The only to find out that, yeah, GE has been in the news a lot lately. You see how one stock, if you have too much in one company stock, that can certainly play havoc on your total portfolio. Same thing happened with Coke stock, although it's, it's rebounded since it went down in the early uh, part of this uh, century. So back in 2000 and 2001, 2002, when it took a big hit, then that certainly uh, reminded folks that you better be careful how you do that. But uh, if you go back long enough, real estate investment stocks, small cap value is still a very good place to, to own uh, stocks. It's just not lately. It wouldn't look like it. Real estate's been doing pretty well, but not small cap value relative to the S&P 500. So he's, uh, his article, they say that uh, because of the fact that the past decade has been the worst of times for diversified portfolios, at least relative to the S&P 500 stock market index, investors who have diversified into virtually anything else, since this bull market began in 2009, have earned lower relative returns. So I think to have a properly diversified portfolio, there's probably, not always, but probably going to be something, maybe more than one asset class in your portfolio that you don't like because they're not doing well. But that's the reason for having a diversified portfolio. You want certain investments that, that zig and zag. They don't go up at the same time. If everything's going up at the same time, it's more than likely going to go all down at the same time. So he talks about the uh, our collective memory of horror stories about people who saw the retirement other investment accounts shrink by 50, 60 percent or more during the past two bear markets is fading. Uh, you know, time heals those kind of wounds. He says, but if you could examine those portfolios, we suspect you'd find that somewhere along the way, and those let me turn my pages, those investors stopped spreading their risk through diversification and began concentrating their holdings too narrowly. When the market turned, they had no exit strategy and rode their investments down. Now, I don't, I disagree with having the exit strategy because I think it's, a, it's impossible to have the right kind of exit strategy. I don't think you need as much of an exit strategy if you've got a properly diversified portfolio. Does that mean you're not, your investments are not going to go down if you're diversified? No, absolutely not. They still will. But history has shown us that they should go down less. So typically when a particular asset class like the S&P 500 is, is on a tear and doing well, you're not going to do as well. 
Well, the S&P 500 is not doing well. It struggles for especially multiple years at a time, which it did at 2000, 2001, and 2002 versus other indexes, other asset classes. Then you're not going to be down there struggling with it. You've got some other things that, that you can, uh, can get money out if you need it, which is one of the reasons for diversification, especially in retirement, that instead of saying, I'm so nervous, I'm going to put all this money in annuity because they say it's guaranteed. Well, that's an expensive way to get a guarantee. And I, could, I, I can't repeat that enough. It's an expensive way to get a guarantee. All right. But it's still very important. And it's a key biblical principle. And we're going to quote you a verse here, let you know after our break. So we want to make sure we get our last break in before, uh, before I get too far along and get right up to the end of the hour. So we don't want to do that either. So 877-235-9405, your last chance to get a text or a phone call in, 877-235-9405. We'll be back with the rest of Talking Money in just a couple of minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear bondage and conflict they want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions live generously and leave a lasting legacy as a trust company ronald blue trust advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com, send an email to greenville at ronblue.com, or call the Greenville office at 864-233-7405 or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. You're listening to Mike Miller. And we've got about nine minutes left here to try to finish the day off. So diversification. Talked about it being a key biblical investing principle. Now we talk a lot about biblical uh, principles in investing and and most of you if you haven't studied this you'll find out that uh, the vast majority of them are just to us are just common sense and diversification is one of those but there is a verse that goes along with that so in in uh, this article that that austin Pryor and mark biller wrote in sound mind investing it's a recent issue that they put out it says we believe that ultimately it's impossible to self-destruct financially if you follow god's time-tested principles for stewardship now Keep in mind, he said to self-destruct, does that mean that your investments will never go down? No. It certainly doesn't that, that does not mean that. This is one of these, those principles is that to protect against the uncertainties of the future, your investments should be broadly diversified. Give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. That's in Ecclesiastes 11.2. So to diversify is to be honest with yourself and say, not only do I not know what the future holds, None of the experts do either. You need to keep that in mind whenever you're turning on Fox Business News, CNBC, any of these business shows that have these experts come on and talk. They may give some really good reasons why they think the economy or the stock market is going to go one way or the other, but they don't know. It's just their best guess. It's it's a better guess than probably if you're listening to a sports show and pregame 
they're always asking, okay, who do you think is going to win this Super Bowl? Who do you think is going to work this, uh, win this particular basketball game? And you'll have four, five, six analysts saying, here's what we think is going to happen. They all may say that they all think this one's going to win. Sometimes they're all right. Sometimes they're all wrong. But you know, what are they doing? That's, uh, I guess they're, they're giving you a reason because they're asked, not because they know. Same thing with these experts that talk about financial matters or economists. They, they give an answer because they're asked, not because they know. And they, they can give you some pretty solid reasons why they believe what they believe. And sometimes they're right, sometimes they're not. So he goes later on the article, says this, this means your strategy involves owning a mix of investments, a variety of holdings that tend to respond in different ways to economic events. You will see that as we add, let's see, then they say volatility of the portfolio is gradually reduced. So there again, it doesn't eliminate risk. It just typically we're talking about reducing volatility. And when some people want to reduce their risk, they think I'm going to a CD, I'm going to a money market account, I'm going to go to annuity because I think, okay, I'm eliminating risk. Well, no, you're eliminating the risk of, of volatility, and that is one risk. But there's another real, uh, very strong risk called inflation and the loss of purchasing power over time that can eat away. And it's, it's I think, in many ways a worse risk because you can't see it. It's a stealth risk. It's eating away at your portfolio, and you don't even know it. So I've known many, many people who have been super conservative, so they didn't have any risk of volatility, really. They eliminated that risk, but then when they lived 10, 15, 20 years, that they ended up having to reduce their standard of living because their investments did not keep up with inflation. So what they could spend when they first retired, now it's it's uh, a third of that, uh, less than that, that now is later on. And sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. So when somebody says, yes, let's convert your income, let's take some of these gains, and let's put them into a, a program, an annuity or something that's going to give you a fixed, a guaranteed income for the rest of your life. Well, okay, you just took care of the risk of volatility, but you just made yourself way susceptible to the risk of loss of purchasing power. And the longer you live, the higher that risk is. You just don't see it. Another part of this article we'll go to real quick before we wrap up today is entitled a game of recovery. So a lot of what investing is, is being patient for that recovery and knowing how to wake, wade through that. So he gives some illustrations in this article talking about the 2004 film Bobby Jones, Stroke of Genius. He says there's a scene in which a young Bobby Jones is pitted against U.S. Open champion Walter Hagen. Although Hagen has an erratic swing and seems error prone, he runs away with the match. Afterward, Hagen confides in Jones. I don't always hit the ball straight, but you know what I've learned? Three bad shots and one good one still make par. Golf is a game of recovery. A different sort of recovery story played out at this year's, and it would be last year's, Masters Tournament, where Tiger Woods captured the title in thrilling fashion, winning by a single stroke. What made this a compelling recovery story was the fact that it was Woods' first major tournament victory in over a decade. His 14 prior majors and four Masters titles had all come before his personal life, health, and golf game crumbled a decade ago. But, Decker per, but Tiger persevered and finally made it back to the top. So sometimes it's when your portfolio feels like, oh, no, look, I'm, um, I've got all these prices that have gone down in my portfolio. I can't take this. Well, I go back to what we talked about with Nick at Stone Street a couple of weeks ago. If you use the time-based approach where you say, well, the part that's that's susceptible to that kind of volatility is my my five, probably 10-plus year bucket. 
I don't worry about if it has uh, some downturns because I know I have a short-term and an intermediate-term bucket that don't have that kind of volatility in it. But the long-term bucket is, is if history repeats itself, it's going to be the one that gives you the highest return. So you got to remember that. So he, the, and the, later in the article says, none of us can look back at a lifetime of spending, investing, and giving decisions and be totally pleased with our own performance. Being a good steward, however, is a game of recovery, if I may use the term for purposes of illustration. He says, you may even want to take a few tips from athletes who've learned how to recover from setbacks. If you listen to their interviews, there's a common thread that runs through how they overcome their poor starts. One, let go of the past. They have a long-practiced and rather remarkable ability to put their failures behind them, block them out, and concentrate on the task immediately at hand. And I, uh, I, I still remember years ago, probably sometime after the 2000 tech bubble burst, a lady that came in to see us that had loosened stock and had gone way down from where she bought it. And, and she was attached to it, was wanting to wait till it went back up. And so I just exp- asked her the question, well, if you, if you didn't own Lucent right now and you're looking at all the different investments, would you buy Lucent right now? She said, no, absolutely not. I wouldn't buy that dog. I said, well, then why do you want to keep it in your portfolio? So it's, it's play the next play. Number two point, play the next play. The most important thing is to focus on what they can do now. What can you do now? What's the best thing? Not do, do I want to wait to recover from something similar? Look at, look at it fresh with fresh eyes. If it does it make sense to hold or, or would I really be better putting my money someplace else? His last, uh, last two points, follow your training. When the pressure's on, it isn't the time for untested strategies or spontaneous innovations. Instead, it is essential to concentrate on doing simple things well, performing as taught. The last one, persevere. Essentially, this means repeating the first three steps over and over. It's not easy. It requires a long obedience in the same direction. It requires long obedience in the same direction. It's called being faithful. So like that Mike Tyson quote that I started with, that everyone has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. Yeah, well, when you get hit, you know you're going to get hit in the mouth. The market is going to do something. Instead of panicking and do something, I think, the unwise by taking it all out and putting it into CDs, money markets, or, or even worse, putting them into annuity where you're going to be locked in for a really long time and pay somebody a lot of money to, to do that. I think it's better uh, to not do that. Have a plan. Keep it in buckets so you know this is my short-term, this is my long-term bucket, and I think you'll be better off doing that. Well, if I can help you, 800-588-7526 is my number. You can also email greenville at ronblue.com. Love to speak to you to see if we may be of service. Hope you have a great week and uh, enjoy the weather, and we'll be back next week for the next Talking Money.